mistakes I see a lot of people doing is they're selling like shit ebooks for twenty dollars a month, uh, twenty dollars, and then they're also trying to sell their coaching. They're trying to also sell fucking wraps and all types of stupid shit. So it's like sell this one thing, sell a lot of that, which has a big margin, and focus on doing more of that. And make I'm not that good at selling. I don't like reaching out to people, but I'm a really good coach. Everyone says that. But let's just say that's the case. Okay. Well, firstly, your life's going to be so much easier if you learn how to sell. Period. I do honestly believe that there is a natural ability that's quite important, but that doesn't mean that you can't get really, really good without it. People think that Billy Big Shot's bullshit because they live in Dubai and they make like 10k a month. It's like... Do you mention oh. Ferraris on yeah, yeah, yeah. Ferraris? And, and, and like, no, no, no one gives a fuck. Yeah. No one gives a fuck. Like you're like mm. ticking to buy it or like nothing. And that's one of the yeah. reasons why I like living here. It's like I look out my window in my office and there's like super yachts and shit going past. I'm like, I need to work harder. Today, if you're an online trainer looking to build your business, we're going to talk about the two things you need to focus on in terms of growing your business with my great and probably oldest friend, Dr. Chris Spearman. And that's, is it strategy you need to focus on or is it skill you need to focus on? And the first question I'm going to ask you and Chris in terms of uh, I would say one of your greatest strengths is identifying weak points in a system. How would you initially assess that to try and push a business forward? Third time lucky. Mm. So Repeat event. Yeah, let's do it. So firstly, um, I've been thinking about this a lot this week and um, Elon Musk, believe it or not, not that I'm drawing parallels between me and him, although we're probably both on the spectrum on some level. Both autistic at a level. I right? think so. Um, he... He, he talks a lot about first principles. So um, anyone listening who, um, just a brief overview of what first principles means or solving problems by first principles. If you give me a situation, let's say, who broke into the house? Okay, so he, what, what he suggests in first principles is a, is a scientific method whereby you strip everything down to the absolute bare minimum. What do I know? Okay, so I know that there's a house. I know there was a break-in. Oh, was there? Or was someone let in? Okay. Maybe we don't know that yet. So it's, it's, it's not assuming anything. It's breaking everything down to, okay, what do I actually know? And very often when we've worked together recently and in the past, you'll go, hey, like this is the problem. And I'll, I'll ask loads of questions. Go, but, but is that the case? So I want to strip everything down to like the bare minimum of what I do know and then work upwards and I think when you do that in a system it really allows you to not assume anything because most of the time in a system as we know it could be so many things and I think um, definitely uh, probably the two skills is the ability to sell slash persuade and then as you said problem solve um, I know we joke a lot like if you know, someone threw me in a in a box and put me in the bottom of the ocean, I'd probably find a way out. But that's just because I would think of things that, that to other people seem outside the box. But the reason it seems outside the box is because they assume where the parameters are by, by assuming things they don't know to be true or not yet. Um, so I'll always, like, if you say, you know, what colour was the sky? I'll go, well, okay, is it blue? Like, I'll ask questions about things that most people take for granted um, that people normally look over. That's, I know that sounds so basic, but looking at things at that level, you, you actually find issues in systems that most people overlook, if that makes sense. 
I think most people don't pay enough attention to the data though, right? And I think Absolutely. this is probably the biggest thing that I'm trying to get super anal on and the different challenges you go is like, we've spoken about this before. I think if you just left me in my apartment on my own with a laptop and my phone, I could get a business to seven figures on my own and just weasel away and just throw enough shit against the wall and I'd figure it out. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas if you're trying to go from seven to multiple or to eight, it's like, you can't do that on your own. So yep. you need a team, you need data, you need numbers. Um, which then have to be accurate and you have to have the right um, decision-making factors to then pull the right lever. Mm-hmm. How would you say most people who are trying to get good handle of their numbers learn the skill of how to do that, if that makes sense? Yeah, good good question. So, well, firstly, I think let's relate it to you for, for, for an example. So let's say over the last few months, because I know you so well and I've known you maybe even 10 years, I I know that if something is happening, I know generally what your gut instinct will be to do, and very often that's the right thing to do. But sometimes it's 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 good that I know that because then I can go like so. Um, for those of you who who know Charlie, you'll know this. Um, Charlie's just absolutely relentless at like taking action and just like nothing's going to hold the guy back. But sometimes, sometimes it's not like more force. Sometimes it's is there a is there a way that we can make it better instead of more? Um, some people are too far the other way, and I would say probably I am. But but having a good balance. So when you when you analyze and break it down, I go okay. But what do the numbers say? And then we go okay. So when you know the and this comes back to what we said about first principles, because when you know the numbers, it's like a clue. Like the clues are in the numbers, obviously. So if you follow the numbers, you're less likely to overlook things. Um, and I think that's definitely obviously we've all had mentors. We've spent you know hundreds of thousands of dollars on mentors each, and I would say some of the best mentors that I've had have allowed me to look at data better. And then I'll try and break down. And when people say can you have too much data? I'll say no. But as we said recently on a call, sometimes I don't need to see all of it all the time. You know, sometimes it's over-consuming. And I'm give an example of a context of that. We were on a call with a member of my team who's amazing, yep. but she's like a data nerd and gives you way too much information. And for me, that like stresses me out. And I'm like, I literally said to her, I was like, pretend I'm autistic you can give me like six numbers, that's all I need to know. Just give me these six, nothing else, because otherwise yep. I'm like, what the fuck is this? Yeah, exactly. And um, obviously we were going through a system. So um, over the last uh, few months, um, we've been kind of optimizing Charlie's system. And for me, if I'm making a decision based on data, I want to see generally all the data, one stipulation that I have is I want to see all the data in one place without moving my mouse because it allows me to consume the data that I need all in one place without scrolling and to do that often there's information that you don't want there because if you put too much of the data you need to scroll and you need to try and like see the whole picture Um, but I would say most people don't track enough data at all like at all at all but again uh, you know i can like you said i don't want to say you know uh, like say that i'm just completely autistic but when it comes to like numbers and stuff i'm definitely 
I'm definitely a bit weird with it. Like, I just think it's it's super useful to to analyze that. I think I realized, obviously, my background. I did I did a PhD in in cancer research, and although this has nothing to do with cancer research, what what research allowed me to do was to find there's always there's an infinite number there's an infinite number of metrics that you can track. Like, there's just there's an infinite number um and it's always trying to find a better way of doing the same thing um and again that comes down to then okay is that strategy or skill and that's obviously i mean that's that's a a trillion dollar so, question so it's, it's a combination of both to some degree because you need the right of strategy course. to track the right skill to track the right numbers and the skill yep. to actually interpret what to do with them right well if they're if if someone's making more money than you, it's either one of two things. It's either their strategy is better or their skill is better. Now, you could say, okay, it's my team strategy or my team skill, but it's either one of the two. So if someone's making more money than you in a similar niche, Very cool. yeah, either their strategy is better or their skill is better. And the, the really true but offensive thing to say to people is that more often than not, if their skill was better, they wouldn't need to try a million strategies. And that almost comes down to what I said earlier. If you just put me in my own, or you the same, in a room with a laptop and a phone, and like you've got a year, you've got to make a million dollars, off mm -hmm. you go. Yep. Like you'd figure it out, but you can't yep. play that game forever. True, and and it depends on 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 where where you know where you are in your journey. I think, um, for example, I was listening to to someone who whose content I consume quite a lot yesterday and he was saying that like he had a certain skill and so 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 the thing about skill and strategy is like if like if I can jump really really well well and I want to you know get an Olympic gold well I would probably do like the long jump or the triple jump or a jumping you know like you know I'm not going to marathon running exactly so you also want to um, align your strategy with your skill if you can um, and I see too many people like strategy hop also for sure and I gave this analogy actually on a training call from mastermind last night and was talking about like if I went and cut hit a tree five times with an axe mm -hmm. and then walked away and came back the next day and hit a tree five times with an axe walked away, came back the next day, hit a tree five times with an axe. Eventually a tree's gonna fall. Sure. But then if I went like tomorrow to hit another fucking random tree five times, the next day a different tree, nothing's gonna fucking happen. That's, and that's a very good point. That's yep. what people do, right? They're tree hop. They're like yep. dancing around too many things. And to be honest, that's one of the, the not use the word issue, one of the things that sometimes I can get like the tree hasn't fallen and I'm still trying to go and like chop down another tree sometimes. Sure. But but I would say, like, for you, that's just because this is, if you're listening to this and you want to know what phrase is going to keep you broke, it's this phrase, I don't want to leave money on the table. Because there's money on every table. Like, I could, I could change gender and become a female stripper and make a mill, eventually. So am I leaving money on the table by not transitioning? <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Well, maybe. Like, I could you know, go into comedy for children. So I might leave money on the table by not doing that. Like there's an infinite number of places where money gets left on the table. That is the statement that keeps most people broke. And if your goal is a passion, then I would follow your passion. If your goal is to make a lot of money and enjoy, you know, who you help, 
then I would actually b- break it down to first principles and go like, okay, how how can I make this simpler? And this is probably the biggest thing you've realized with me over the last year when we've been working together more recently is just like simplify, simplify, simplify. And like even decision making this week for us, I'm like, okay, like we could we could improve this area of the system uh, to, to give you guys honest context. So um, system that myself and Charlie are uh, did together and are doing separately and it, it, it has a, an organic approach and then a paid approach. And the long-term goal to get to eight figures really is is to is to eventually scale the the paid side of things because that can go to multiple eight figures and if 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 so hypothetically if the paid system isn't optimized and we need to bring cash in then organic is like a a good like savings account that you dip into that funds the system when you're struggling but we weren't struggling you know, in terms of profitability. So for me to dip in to optimize the organic is just taking me away from solving the longer term. And um, and I think what I needed to realize there is, well, what I really want long term is a paid solution that can make up to eight figures and maybe more. So let's just focus on optimizing that. Um, that doesn't mean that the organic side of the business can't be optimized. Of course it can. But I don't think it's the longer term play also. And I think a lot of people, you see this with fitness professionals for sure, when they create like a $17 ebook and a 5K offer and a, a $97 offer and a something and a something else. And sometimes there's a utility behind doing that. And sometimes it's just a fucking distraction really, you know. And I think that's probably one of the biggest mistakes I see a lot of people doing is they're selling like shit ebooks for twenty dollars a month, uh, twenty dollars, and then they're also trying to sell their coaching. They're trying to also sell fucking wraps and all types of stupid shit. So it's like sell this one thing, sell a lot of that, which has a big margin, and focus on doing more of that, and you make more money. So a, a really valuable point there is that when you said about wraps, it just came to my head. So like lifting straps is what you mean. So if I was to go back again. And let's say back when we started in the fitness space, whatever that was at the time, we were, let's say, sponsored by this company and this company and this company and this company and this company. Every time you post something and ask your audience to do something, it's a bank account that you're slowly draining of goodwill. So an example, I'm a fitness influencer, whatever the fuck that is, And I'm sponsored by all these companies and I'm getting a certain percentage of all of these things. Every time I post to try and say, hey, you should buy this protein or hey, even you should listen to this episode of the podcast I did with Charlie. Every time you do that, you're draining a bank account called Goodwill because I'm asking my audience to do something. Every time I do that, I'm draining the bank account. And if I could go back in time, I would go and I would say over the last few years, I wasn't I wasn't, let's say, doing that as much. But if I could go back in time, I would just go, no, 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 I'm just going to ask them to do one thing. And that would probably be something that is to do with a business that I'm going to take 100% profit in, with the exception of when you're just getting started. So every time, if you guys are, are listening or watching and you're like, oh, um, you know, buy these lifting straps, or even if it's like watch my YouTube video or listen to my podcast, understand you want to get people to do stuff 
But if, if, you, if someone's consuming your story or your content and you're like, hey, click on this link, they sti- people still don't want to be told what to do. Do you know what I mean? They still feel like you're pushing, even if it's like... You're taking away from them. You're taking the time. You're it's the most valuable the, thing they have, y- right? Yeah, but people people inherently realize that without without consciously thinking it. So if... And, and I'm not saying this is right either. This is just my opinion. But if you guys follow me on social media, I just have one link in my bio. The only thing I ask people to do is just one thing. And the one thing is, here's a really fucking cool free course. Click that link if you want a really good free course. I swear. Yeah, you swear. Um, that's the only thing I will ever ask people to do, and it's a free course. So it's like, that's it. Um, and I'm not saying that's the extreme, but uh, but I definitely do think you know you see people now, and it's like buy these wraps, buy this, but we've done it all in the past. But like, I you would want to get people into whatever funnel or whatever system is the most valuable. And. What you just said is why I dropped all the supplement companies and everyone I worked with about two years ago because it's sure. A, I didn't need the money and B, it was just a detraction and C, it's just like you're just constantly trying to plug shit whereas like if you're going to sell something you might as well sell your own stuff. That's true too and also one thing on that is like if if Charlie's fitness business is just getting people into a, a fitness funnel that could be buy, it could be book a call it could whatever the ask is the easiest place for you to sell protein is in the program in the program and so you don't need to promote it because you're either going to promote it to one of two people people who haven't bought into you enough to join your program and they're maybe not going to buy the protein or people who are on your program and you could just do it in the back end and not post it online and also who's most most likely to buy it of course the person who's already bought shit from you for and people who are like what should i be putting on my plan and you tell them this 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 and this yeah um with that being said, what do you think is the big mistake people make when they're trying to actually plan out the strategy for their business? I would say the main thing is they don't actually have a strategy in terms of what they're trying to do and they're going along and doing the same thing, expecting a different result. Like just like, oh, next month we better like the hope strategy, if that makes sense. Yep, yep. So this comes back to, I think, logical thinking for me is I'll go. Um, so, so you just asked me a question there. But any time that you've ever asked me a question, my first reaction is, let's just say, hey, Chris, what color do you think these pillows should be if they're not going to be yellow? My first instinct is, what's the outcome we're looking for? Because if you said, I want this to be a sex den, I, I would, if I knew that was the case, red. I'd be like, yeah, or, or pink like my apartment. Anyway, um, I'd be it's like... like your shirt. That's it. So I go, what's the outcome we're looking for? What's the problem we're looking to solve? What's the outcome that we want first? So when someone says, how do I scale and grow my business? I'll, I'll think, okay, what's the outcome that you want? Is it more money? Is it freedom? Is it you want to have a team that can run it without you? Because they're all different answers. So if someone said to me, I just want to get to 10K a month, my answer coming back to your axe is, they just want the tree to hit the deck. How can we most efficiently get the tree to hit the deck? And now most people will go, sharpen the axe, do this, do that. I'll go, or drive the bulldozer through the tree, maybe, like outside the box. But before you can figure out what that is, you need to figure out what problem you're trying to solve 
initially. So if you're listening to this and your goal in your business is to make six figures, so 8K a month. Okay, so how do you get 8K a month consistently? Well, there's loads of ways. Ultimately, forget the strategy for a second. Let's look at, and that, that's actually, this is actually a really good point. What skills do I have first? Okay, if I'm a, like, again, if I can jump really well, well then let's try and align a strategy that's probably gonna coexist with, coexist with what I have. Okay, so I'm not that good at selling. I don't like reaching out to people, but I'm a really good coach. Everyone says that. <laughs> but let's just say that's the case. Okay, well firstly, your life's gonna be so much easier if you learn how to sell period. So, okay. So now you've got essentially, let's say it's 8K. You've got two options. You either sell a really high price thing and less of them, or you sell a low price thing and you sell lots of them. Bear in mind, this person's not good at selling. So selling a high price thing is not easy and selling lots of people isn't easy. So I was like, fuck. (laughs) So again, selling is the cornerstone. So then you have to make a decision, really. Forget about the strategy of what platform. I would go 8K. How is that 8K? And I used to do this all the time. How is that 8K going to come in? Is it, okay, 8K in recurring revenue? Maybe. What sort of business model would you like? So do you want 8K purely recurring revenue? And if that's the case, okay, then you need to break that down. Do you want 8K in front-end revenue and no back-end or a mixture of both? Let's just imagine it's 50-50. I'm not suggesting that that's what someone should do, but let's just freeze. Okay, 4K recurring rev, 4K front end. Okay, so if it's 4K in recurring revenue and 4K front end, okay, so I don't need to go into the maths here, but you can't have a 4K consistent recurring revenue and 4K front end by having a monthly price point. Because if you have a 4K front end monthly price point, and the recurring is the same, then that means they drop off after two months. You can do the maths later if, you're, if you guys listen to this. That means that you probably have a front-loaded and a back-end payment. Okay, so if you've got 4K recurring revenue, you need to ask yourself what's a realistic point at which people will stay on within your program. You break that down. But again, if it was me, I would just sell an one 8K thing. I would like. But that's because your skill set sells. Correct. Exactly. So I would go, well, that's my skill set. So if my skill set was where most people's is, I would go, okay, well, I believe that most people can sell a $1,000 thing. 8997s. Yep. 8997s front end. Or you can go, I'm going to sell four people on the front end at 997. That's 4K. And I've got 4K in the back end. Cool. So what does that look like? Let's say it's 16 people at 250 a month recurring. So you've got 16 clients, you make one sale a week. Six figures, off you go. And you can fulfill that completely by yourself. And now with AI and everything like that, you you should be able to do that pretty okay. This is a, a really important equation that to break down for the, the front end. So it's a simple equation between the ticket price multiplied by the closing rate percentage in as a decimal point multiplied by the show-up rate, multiplied by the book calls. So an example, let's just say we're selling a £3,000 thing and you sell one in three and 50% show-up, you just need to book six calls. 
So you book six calls, you make 3K. You book six calls one day a week, Monday to Saturday. You close one person, you're making 12,000 pounds a month, front end. And that's why it, a lot of this is simple maths. It's all, it's all simple maths. What, what Actually, here, here's something that um, this people may not agree with this. And le- let me finish before, b- b- before you guys judge. I don't think there's anything, I, I don't think there's such thing as luck at all. I believe there's probability. And luck is uh, it, uh, luck is a term that people use when probability falls in your favor. Well, you stack the deck, right? Sure. But if I said, if, if I flipped a coin and it landed, let's say, f- heads five times in a row, the probability, hi- we'll say hypothetically it's 50-50, that's not luck, that's just really Chance. good probability. It's just probability, it's just stacked in my favour. So when you know the data and you know the numbers, you're more likely to understand whether you're lucky or not, I think. Why do you think so many people get stuck in the monthly reoccurring trap? So my my personal opinion on this is gonna break a lot mentors. of people break a lot of people's Other fucking mentors. balls is yeah. that there is a lot of shitty mentors out there who are selling the monthly model to people who don't necessarily have the minerals or the skills yet to sell sure. up front. And sure. those people are doing them a disservice because as we've said many times that if I didn't want to make money, that's exactly what I would do. Yeah. So, um, yeah, good point. So if I was to break it down into three, into three sections, I would say it is number one. It is that most mentors can't sell, haven't sold, and don't know how to sell. Most people in the fitness space as a whole are coaches, not marketers or salespeople. So they stick to what they're good at, which is coaching. And therefore, they don't branch out into learning how to sell or learning how to persuade or learning how to communicate to a colder audience. So they stick to a coaching-based approach in their teaching, which is founded fundamentally on the fulfillment as the cornerstone. I'm not saying it shouldn't be, but that's one reason. The second reason is that the fitness space is so egocentric that they lean on a virtue signaling side of, I just want to be a great coach. I care about my clients. I just, it's so virtue signaling. It's like, you're a shitty person because you sell. It's like, it's so, it's so egotistical that they're trying to shame other people for trying to do something a different way. And the truth is, if you really analyze that, 90% of those people just can't sell. So they uh, default fall into their insecurity of, I'm just, I just want to be a great coach. And I would say, thirdly, it is that in any business there is in in life there's self-doubt so when you step out into an unknown which entrepreneurship is it's easy to fall back into a play it safe mode and therefore people as entrepreneurs are less likely to accept let's say a commission only role or accept high ticket sales where you can have a great month and a shitty month I was speaking about it yesterday. Um, my team were on a call with someone 
there was like there's no way you can make 20k a month on on linkedin and i remember one day we made 18 and a half k in three or four hours on linkedin we had wade made like a seven and a half k piff uh, a 5k piff and then we had two other payments come through from front end not even back end stuff in like three or four hours and i'm not saying that happens all the time but it, i was like fucking hell and he had his wheat bakes that morning he had his wheat bakes yeah he, he crushed it bro but um but then there could be nothing for two weeks like generally there would be but you know what i mean like if hypothetically there could be nothing for a while and and that's just that's a different type of game and that's, that's just a different think, type um, of game the skill of resilience to understand that that's what's going to happen right because sure. i've noticed that the more our businesses are scaled and we sell higher ticket products you have days you make bucket loads of money and there's days you make less money yep and it's almost like an emotional roller coaster you ride of like we we're like we're making loads we're killing it like we're fucking going to the moon and the next day it's like it's a bit slow and you're like what the fuck is going on yeah and i would say like when people ask about linkedin we transitioned to linkedin because as you said our skill set was selling and if you don't want to sell you don't like selling and you're going to shrink on a sales call linkedin ain't for you but if you're out there and you feel like you want to sell a higher price thing you can sell a higher price thing you have the skill set or you want to learn how to then that's a really good opportunity. Um, I spoke to a closer literally on the way here. Uh, a guy that I, um, some of you guys know, I, I consult for um, celebrity brand sales teams also. This guy was, was part of the team. And I, I basically said, he was like, hey bro, like what should I do? I, d I don't know what to do now offer wise. And I was like, in the role that he's in, he wants to make like 20K in commission. I said, there's only one of two, because he's maxed out now with calls. There's only two opportunities for him to get better. He either needs to uh, to make more money. He either needs to get better or change vehicle. And because he's maxed out with his time, he's taking 10 calls a day and he's making maybe 12K in commission. So he's making 120K in sales. I was like, you either need to change vehicle so that either the thing you're selling is more expensive or you get a bigger percentage or you just get better and he's good so i was like maybe you should try and sell something because as business owners like when you take calls now you're not getting 10 percent; you're getting like 60 70 80 percent but my sorry my point was this he was like but i got into sales to make money and I actually said something that, I, that I've never said before. I said, I wouldn't recommend someone to become a closer to make money. I said, I would, I would advise someone to become a closer to learn how to sell and let someone else fund the leads. When you get really fucking good at sales, you then sell your own thing. Makes sense. Do you, Makes know, sense. Do you know what's funny? Do you have that conversation? Yeah. I could no but it, it, it reminded me of the thought process i thought about a lot this year is my background of working like managing a branch sure. of estate agents I, I didn't realize at the time but i had a playground of like monopoly to do what i wanted in this big branch of estate agents to run all these people and like mm. not my money i wasn't going to lose any money sure. and i learned the skills of the, a lot of that stuff now i apply to business from experience Make i had before yeah and I probably don't realize how much that helped me, I think. I would say so. And because I remember, you know, used to, Charlie used to pick me up back in the day. We're laughing at this recently. Charlie used to pick me 
up back in the day, I was a broke student. And um, c- can I mention the quote that yeah, you said? Yeah. So we, we had this conversation this week. Um, I'll never forget it, bro. Charlie picked me up from this train station. I had a we, black we Mercedes at the time. Was that yeah, car? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It was before your white Mercedes. Yeah. Um, he, Charlie picked me up and he said, we were talking about something. And uh, Charlie goes, you know, my dad's friend said something once and it's kind of stuck with me. And he said, if you throw enough money at a problem, it normally goes away. And like I'm from, you know, no money at all whatsoever. So I just didn't understand this concept. And that is stuck. With, I think about that most weeks, I would say. I was like, if you throw enough money at something, now it may need to be a lot of money, but normally it goes away. And I think um, when it comes to when it comes to you know what you were doing back then, you crafted a skill. Now it's okay. How can you leverage that skill to the best of your ability? And I would say it's it, it, it's one of the gifts that I have. I'm now in a position where, um, you know, for a year I sold one offer, made maybe one point seven mil by myself, taking calls like. N- 90% profit margin and I'm like okay I can continue to do this or I can teach other people how to sell and sometimes that's tough as you're going through it now also because you're like the the player manager yeah it, 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 I feel like uh, I think it was Oli Soul Show was like was him one of the Man United managers he, he was playing at the time and also yeah. like it's like you, you want to you want to score the goal, but then you've also got like get the other people to score, so they're playing well, right? Because you yep. can't win the win the match on your own. Yeah, and and it's also tough to know when you should stay on the bench and when you should come in. Um, I think you do that really well now. Obviously, with what you're doing, you're you've got a good setup. Um, but yeah, what would you say is the? A lot of people listening to this are probably at the position where they want to get better at sales what would you say is the the easiest way to improve their sales skills listen to the first podcast that we did I was gonna say that. that was a good one um so one of the fundamental things that i said there is that um i do honestly believe that there is a natural ability that's quite important but that doesn't mean that you can't get really really good without it but i do honestly feel like a natural ability is is really valuable um, I would say that second to that, I would say um, there's so much free content on the internet that can give you perspectives. Um, but like for me, sales is just human psycho- applied human psychology. Persuasion. It, that's it. Like Dale Carnegie's How to Win Fren- Friends and Influence People. But I think if you can understand... You, you always say this about me is just I walk into a room sometimes we meet someone and or or I look at someone's IG and I'm like hey Charlie you know da 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 and you're like how the fuck how did you know that and I think you 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 get a gauge of what people are about and how to um, manipulate is a really bad word because it, it has a negative connotation but if you have the ability to impact and influence someone I think it's 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 a, it's invaluable really. And I think that's even more important because I think the biggest issue, whether it's with fitness trainers growing the business or it's people getting in shape, a lot of the people don't have the minerals to make the decision themselves and be decisive. And sure. people don't understand that not making. You mean a when decision. they're on a call? Yeah, literally. Sure. Like they have, they're like. Sure. I, and I, the last, I think, two, three people have mentored me. I've like, it's been on like WhatsApp or IG message. Like, yeah, just send me a payment link. I'm in. 
Yeah, I did. Yeah. Because yeah. it's like... Well, also, I know we have a good relationship, but, like, I think I was... But also, you... You're a... You, you believe in coaching. Mm. And um, something that I think fitness professionals are just really bad at. So if you're listening to this, please don't be this person. It's... You get on a call because you're not where you want to be and you want to learn more. You need to improve. You want to do something. And you go through the call, you're chatting to Charlie, and then but you get to the end, and you're like, yeah, you know, I, I'm kind of happy with what I'm, like, you're not happy with what you're doing. Otherwise, why are you on the fucking call? Well, yeah, why are you on the call? And ego gets in people's way a lot. Like, like, there's a difference between being confident and knowing what you're good at and misplaced pride. And there's no... Um, I think it was with you actually that I I probably felt it the most because it's also hard to it's also harder to invest in a friend in some ways it's easier in lots of ways but also it's harder in a way but um but also when we had that conversation I was helping Charlie with with a sales strategy essentially and I think it was the just the willingness to go there's just no like there's just no and maybe it comes back to throw enough money at a problem and it'll go away and look where you are you know like it it's 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 taken off but um people just don't have that a lot of the time that the the minerals to just go like that makes sense like let's go like let's do that um and they end up stuck you know they end up stuck and i also think one of the big things people people's perceptions of success is different so like i think some people uh, the podcast i did with james cooper before this we Mm. were trying to use another word than slagging off some people in the fitness industry but like people think they're billy big shots bullshit because they live in dubai and they make like 10k a month it's like do you mention ferraris on these ferraris like no no one gives a fuck no one gives a fuck like you're like Mm. ticking dubai or like nothing and that's one of the reasons why i like living here it's like i look out my window in my office and there's like super yachts and shit going past i'm like I need to work harder. Like, yeah. And you sent me. A oh, vi- I sent you that. Yeah, today. So, so this is yeah. fucking great. And you said Chris sent me a video this morning, and he's like, "Check your IG because you're about to be baited into fucking." Seriously. And it was. Uh, it takes a lot for me to be motivated like that. I was like, "Fucking hell!" And it's a video of Wes Watson showing his bank account, being like, "Yeah, payments, payments, payments." Yeah. Him buying like half a million dollar cars, and like, mm. and for me, and as I said to you after, it's like, if he can fucking do it, I can fucking do it. Sure. You can fucking do it. Yeah, yeah. So it's not like. Yep. It's not if, but when. It's just yep. just cracking the code, right? Yeah. So I think something that um that that you've always been really good at is getting, and I think this is one of probably the most important things that I've learned from masterminds is that if nothing else, if you learn nothing new, if you don't learn a strategy and you don't learn um, a new skill. Alex Ramosi said probably the most valuable thing he ever did. He paid, I think it was either 10 or 20K to join Russell Brunson's inner circle way back in the day. And he said that if all he needed to do was to get in a room and someone stand up who was making 10 mil a month so that he was like, how is that guy making 10 mil a month? That was all he needed. That was well worth 20K investment because he was able to see someone who he was like, if he can do it, I can do it. And proximity changes things. You know, when you, and I think in, in lots of ways we're, we're very similar, but also very different. And I think during our journey, we've, I would say, a very healthy, I know what you're really good at, you know some of my skill sets, and then you do some things that you're, and I'm like, if Charlie can do it, 
maybe I can do it. And then you go, well, if Chris can do it, maybe I can do it. And I think we've been on a very... Um, Synergistic path. Yeah. And I think if you don't have that in, in your life, then joining a mastermind is useful for that reason. Because you'll be around people and you look at someone and go like... I remember when Andy Naylor started crushing it on LinkedIn with us. I'm not going to mention names here, but there were bodybuilders in Dubai who... You mentioned names, okay. <laughs> there were bodybuilders in Dubai who I was coaching at the time. And listen, I'm, I'm all... Uh, it's, it's, it's not a bodybuilder thing, but um, I think when you're pumped full of a huge amount of hormones and you're trying to chase clout at the same time as growing a business, it's not easy. And I got on a few calls with some of these guys and they're like, how's that guy making this money? And I'm like, because he's doing what I told him to do. <laughs> and and it was just, it's so many people like, well, if, if, listen, if, if someone can do it, I can do it. And I think that's a really healthy place to be. And I think people getting used to seeing that in other people and being okay with that is 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 a skill set. You know, rather than getting a chip on your shoulder, you actually do this in a really healthy way, more than most people. You like chase people down, but in a healthy way. Like now that I've been kind of, you know, under the bonnet a little with you, I've seen like, it's like, I want to like take this guy out, but it's in a healthy way. It's not like in a, where you get drowned out. And that some people, I think, um, I would say you understand yourself to know that too. And I know... I'm not not lazy, but I can get. So funny you say that because you're not. But, but like, my my level of lazy compared to other sure. people's is different, right? So like sure. instead of me getting up at five thirty, I get up at seven, and I'm like, you fucking, you've caved in, and become weak. Um, so so Charlie implements. Th- there'll be something that Charlie needs to do. He'll implement immediately because he's lazy and doesn't want to do it later. To me, that that's just how you rationalize it. I look at a system and go, how can I do this in the smartest way possible? Because I'm lazy. So we're just doing the same thing, mm. just in different ways. It's interesting. And it's uh, human behavior. But what you said there about not using, I would say using people to motivate me is a big thing. Because like, sure. I almost like try and gamify the process of business yeah, yeah. in my head of like, ultra competitive. Yeah, fuck this motherfucker. I'm going to yeah. try like put yeah. it on him. Yeah. But, and, and after a while, it's like, I don't even, I forget about why I was even trying to beat the person. But sure, because that's because you, you go to the next. Yeah, yeah. You're just like, who's next? Yeah, and then you're hunting down the next one. It's, yeah. like, it's like you're playing a, you're playing a video game, right? It's when you get to the fucking boss level at the end where yeah. you've, got, you've got to take down like the fucking billionaire at the Burj Al Arab or something. It's yeah. like, that's the goal, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, I think, you know, business is, um, it's an interesting one. I know like, for us, I would say a lot of, you know, our conversations more recently are, are yeah, sales, systems, paid traffic, something that people ask a lot about too, you know, hiring, all that, none of that stuff's easy, you know. But but I think what's interesting is if we were to go back even two years ago, it's like we're playing a different game. You know I, what I mean? Um, it's like Monopoly and Cluedo. It's, we just it's like Snap versus like Monopoly. Like it's like even more basic. So different. Because yeah. I, I, even I think about it now, it's like I look back at what I used to do in my fitness business, it's like, I just post like ab selfies and put some stories up and ask people to message me and we'd message people and that'd be it. And I have a sales team to take it. Whereas like, it's almost like an orchestrated game of chess you're then trying to play to mm. get to the next level and just the, the thought process is different. But I'd yep. say the biggest skill I'm learning is the importance of actually training your team and like sure. leveraging them and actually spending time honing them because that's giving me leverage. Mm. And also I realise like, 
shit, if I make these people fucking amazing, then I don't actually, I can then be the lazy person I don't want to be. Yeah. I don't, I just run the show and just chill in the background. And I, I said this to Charlie maybe two months ago. I said, bro, imagine if there were five of me working for you and five of you working for you. I was like, how much would you make? And you're like, a shit ton. And I'm like, so our goal is to, to do and build and find that, mm. really, you know? And that's an interesting topic. Where do you find these people? Mm. So, um, so let's say if we're talking about um, sales people or appointment setters or dialers or people in the front end of the business, really, um, just because that's where the needle gets turned uh, money-wise. Um, so there's loads of places that you can find them. But one thing that I've realized is it takes time to allow them to bleed mature in. in yeah. That's the exact word, mature. And sometimes it's a case of, um, I used this phrase on, on a team call yesterday and it got some giggles and then I realized why. I said it's like, um, it's like trying to put a marshmallow through a keyhole and I realized why that may not have been the best phrase. But it was more uh, trying to, when you're really trying to force something, sometimes you're better off just... It's some weird thought process going through people's heads right now. Sorry. Um, it's more just, sometimes you just need to let people go through and mature into the role. And that can be tough, I think, for people like us sometimes, because we're just so like, especially something that I've been challenged with more recently, um, is I've just got so much more time now. And then it's like, okay, so what do I do with my time that is going to give me the biggest leverage? So most people watching this, no matter where you are in business, if you run a very similar coaching, could be generally coaching business. Okay, how many calls do you have on your calendar this week? Let's just say it's seven. Okay, so that's seven hours you're going to be on calls making money. What's the next most valuable thing as a solopreneur generally, or you've got, let's say, a small team? The next most valuable thing. Well, if I said to you, how many hours a day are you willing to work? Five. Most people will go, no, way more than that. I'd say, start with five. They're like, why? Because, well, let's say, you know, let's say Monday to Friday, that's 25 hours. Remove the seven for calls. Okay, that's 18 hours. What, what should you be doing? Just booking calls. And people are like, what? what? There's nothing else you should really be doing that will make you money. And then they're like, oh, because most people out there, they're working 10 hours a day. They're taking maybe one call a day and they're fucking around for the rest. It's like, no, no, no. Just book calls for two hours and you should be able to get one call booked, maybe two, yourself. And then, so imagine just you work three hours a day, Monday to Friday, and you just two hours booking two calls and or even one call and then you take the one call in the evening that you booked the day before rinse repeat if you do that you'll have 10 hours monday to friday of appointment setting yourself five hours of calls let's say 60 percent show up you take three you close one at a 5k piff or a 3k piff you're making three to 5k a week working 15 hours taking three calls out of the five that are booked and closing one because people are filling that time with stuff that isn't turning the needle. Then if you say to me, how can you get leverage on that? Okay, so let's just say you scale that up to the point where you want to bring other people in. Then it's simple. Like to get to, I would say, 
the first few million, there's only, f- to start, to get to six figures, there's only two things you should do. Book calls, close calls. If you're really good, you can get to a million, booking calls, closing calls. The only other thing that you do after that is you book calls or close calls or teach your team to book calls or teach your team to close calls. That's it. And then after that, when you're talking about eight figures, it's okay. How do I now scale the system? But essentially it's that. You know, I think it's literally booking calls, closing calls, or then leverage teacher team how to book calls, teacher team how to close calls. How much do you think personal development comes into this? In terms of even if you look at like who you were maybe four years ago and who I was four years ago? Um, because I'd both say we both sure. changed with experience Completely. and skill sets. Completely. And I've, I've probably, one of the things you mentioned there in terms of like training sales teams and the maturing process, sure. is I have, because I have zero patience, but I'm not, because I like things quick. Yep. It's like, why the fuck do these people just not get this straight away? Sure. And then I have to realise that then I've been doing this a while and they're not me, so I have to... Sure be patient with that so process. when it comes to getting to that stage and and building a team i think it's really important because you need to be i don't care what business you're in you need to be someone worth listening to to have a team you do like really if you're weak and you're wet and you're just a, a and, sap, and you're shit at the thing that they're you're trying to teach them to do people won't take you seriously so when you look at people who are good leaders it's because they're worth listening to um but so personal development i think is good and again communicating because you you have to sell your team when you hire someone you sell them the position when you need to motivate them you sell them the idea of improving that's just a sales process if someone hasn't made a million yet and you said to me about personal development, I've got a very nuanced view. If you haven't made a mill yet, before you start looking, this is probably going to get me cancelled, I would say, before you start looking inside, I think it's important to realise that you, how do I communicate this the best way without offending too many people, I wouldn't be waking up and jumping in the fucking sea or having a cold shower or meditating or going for a walk or just do the fucking work. Because if you are, if you are good enough, you'll succeed no matter what shambles your life is in. Like you can, it's easier to solve life problems when you have cash. And I'm not saying cash is the be all and end all, but trust me, I've had periods in my life where I had like, we had no food, like nothing. Like Christmas dinner was given to us by a charity and now I'm in a position where I've got a, a decent amount of money at least relative. And like life problems are a lot easier now. You know what I mean? Like, so I would say like, because what happens is people wake up, they meditate, they do their yoga, they have their shake, they go for a walk, they do their breathing, they do all of this stuff. But at the end of the day, they They've accomplished nothing. They've nothing to show no for progress. it. And in my opinion, the best thing for self-confidence is reinforcing the fact that you can do the thing. Like, you can do the thing. That gives you more, especially as a man, it's different for women, and I'm not saying, you know, but I'm saying as a man, I think that when you know you can get on a call and you've got a really good probability of, like, communicating value and worth, that's a confidence that no breath work or no meditation. And I'm not saying that stuff isn't important. But if you can't pay your bills, it doesn't mean much. Like, 
Yeah, and I wouldn't think you said there about giving yourself confidence in yourself. That's one of the things I constantly try and reinforce. Like now, I put my two comma club award like in front of my office door so every time I walk in and out of it, look at it, and I'm yep. like, "You fucking got this." And then yep. I want the fucking the, the, the ten the That's ten the mil goal. one there next. Yeah, and then like, I put like an expensive watch on and shit, and like yep. you feel good and you're like, "Yeah, I can do this. I'm not in my fucking mum's basement." And when you get to that stage, I think then it's important to start going. Like like now, for example, obviously I'm a single guy living in Dubai in a penthouse apartment. I'm like, okay, now now is a good time to assess how I want my life to look like. You know, do I want to be single? Do I want to have a partner? Like, I'm in a position where that's a choice because I didn't, you know, been in relationships before. But I can go, right, how do I want the next few years of my life to look? How do I want my friendship circle to look like? What do I want my daily routine to look like? That's so much easier when I'm you know, living in a multi-million dollar apartment and I've got money in my bank and I can decide what I want to eat, where I want to go, where yeah. I want to fly. Who you want to work with. That's it. So I can, exactly that. So I can choose. Um, it's easier to solve the other problems now. Do you know what I mean? It's like if you were, I use this analogy, when someone is trying to lose weight, they have to do more work in a deficit to get down to ma- their maintenance level, then they can just chug along in maintenance. Life's a little easier then. They don't have to diet as much, they're on maintenance. When you dig deep to get to where you wanna go and you've got a decent level of money, then it's easier to start focusing on the other things. Like it's easier to you know, tidy your room and tidy your routine and do your breath work. You know, If I wanted higher personal, any personal trainer to just train me to do this, do breath work and do whatever, you know? So, um, you know, James, one, one of our friends, he's, you know, he'll go off on a retreat for like 20 K and he'll, you know, go up in Switzerland in the mountains and just do all this oxygen chamber stuff. And it's nothing like, you know, it's, so I think there's value in that for sure. Here's an interesting question. So, my morning routine is actually I wake up, coffee, water, I sit on the balcony for like five minutes, mm-hmm. like write down my goals and then just start my fucking work. Yep. And a lot of people ask me like, have you got like a really, I was like, no, it's not elaborate. It's like yep. water with electrolytes, some aminos, caffeine. Mm-hmm. I sit outside for five minutes, look at like the sun coming up, whatever, mm-hmm. write down my goals, what I want to do, just fucking get at it. What does yours look like? So the most valuable thing that I've added into my routine is I bought a fourteen dollar pound. This is the frog. Frog. Yeah, <laughs> I went on Amazon and I'm like, I'm gonna buy a fucking frog. So I bought a frog, and it's a an ornament. And what it is is, if for those of you that have read the book, eat that frog. If there's just one thing that I achieve in that day, so the night before on a piece of paper, I write write down if I only was to achieve one thing tomorrow, what would it be? And I put it under the frog. I wake up a little later now. I used to sleep maybe four or five hours a day when, you know, back in the day, hence why I look like a zombie. I was doing my PhD. I've now, I perform a lot better now with a, with a lot more sleep, a little bit more sleep. So I'm waking up a little bit later. Um, I mean, it's still before seven or so, but like it's it's later. Um, what time do you get up and what time do you go to bed? So... It's the weird shit people ask. Yeah, yeah. So up until, re- uh, up until recently, it would have been... 11, between 11 and 12 I'll fall asleep and I was up at 5 and that's like not healthy at all and I did that for over 10 years in my PhD now I'm falling asleep before 11 
and I'm waking up at seven and I'm, I won't be doing that's what eight hours I won't be doing that for a long time I'm doing that now because I'm in a period of my life where I'm really focusing on my health now that I'm not taking sales calls I'm not really coaching I'm really now case in point now is a good opportunity for me now that I'm in a good place to reassess reassess get myself back to a good place before I decide where my next move is going to be so so I wake up at let's say seven and I get water um, and then I tackle I've I've got an hour block seven to eight the biggest task of the day whatever that is eight till nine I focus on lead generation so ads um, changing ads optimizing ads um, anything that's like front-end systems um, basically just lead flow uh, nine until uh, ten is uh, reviewing calls from the day before reviewing dials from the day before reviewing um, basically all of the the team's stuff for an hour then I've half hour that is sauna and shower and then I get ready for daily calls with the team then I've say two hours two and a half hours of calls um, and then at one I chill for 30 minutes till half one then I walk on the treadmill for half hour but it's basically like doing work and listening and then I do half hour training half hour sunlight half hour lunch shower and then back into like my second day in the afternoon which I'm trying to figure out what I'm doing now which is just like picking holes and stuff really so I've got a lot of time now in the afternoon which is good with that time how do you decide what's the thing to fill it in the business as the next step yeah good so um, I have a Slack channel that I showed you where I will put the, the any task that needs to be done so the way I see it now in, in the business that I'm in is the most valuable the three most valuable things that I can do is recruit recruit my team train my team or come up with ideas so if there is something that someone asks me to do that isn't one of those three things, I probably won't do it unless it's a necessity. And then if they are one of those three things, something to do with one of those three things, it goes in a channel. And then when I have time, I sit down and I go through that channel and I prioritize what's the most important thing to do. So if I've got 35 minutes, I'll go, which of these tasks is the best thing to do in that 35 minute time slot? Um, But I, I do, there are things that I like doing that aren't efficient money-making things. Like, like I like building courses, as I've been saying to you and recently. You, like, you actually quite like doing some of the tech stuff, don't you? I love the tech stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, but it's... Um, I do. I do. And I've always done that, like funnels and stuff like that. And eventually it shouldn't be me. For sure it shouldn't be me. But I do like the building. Like, I like... I like the creative side of that sometimes, I think. Um, also, wouldn't know what I would do with my time. I mean, if I had a partner or kids or a dog or cats or something, I thought it'd be different. So maybe that's the next move. Take up golf. The one thing I'd say which that just really made me think of is I think, a, say, a talent both of us have is we can pretty much do everything. So, like, you can it's run true. the ads, make the true. funnels, sell, write copy, sure. do social media higher whatever like I think that's probably the thing for anyone listening to take home is that the biggest mistake I see most people making is why they're stuck is they're like 
they try and fob off delegating out everything out like that's not my job it's sure. like I still fucking DM and handle some of the DMs now. Yeah. And like, like I said, that gave like, me some context too. Yeah, it's like to I, I walk and do 20 outbounds in like 10 minutes in the morning. It's sure. like they have the highest response rate down in them because of mm. like the way they're framed. That's what 600 a month It's those small things and you leading by example, I think are a big thing in the business. Absolutely. And I also think delegating something that's not working isn't, isn't useful and it's hard and th- this comes like to we talk about the the whole agency model. It's like when people hire an agency, I understand it to a degree, but the problem is, it's a lazy when, approach. When, yeah, but and also, it's it's hard to know if it's working or if it's not working if you if you're delegating the problem to someone else. You know, I I feel like you're way better off knowing and understanding and then delegating. Um, and also your team, like I know I can turn around to my team and critique them on sales and they'll listen because they know I can sell. And when it comes to booking calls or doing that, they know I can, when I hire some new people, they're like, it's easy for them to go, like, what's this guy know? I, I'm like, hey, just so you know, like I I sold thousands of dollar like sales in DMs for years. Like it started at like hundred dollars a month to two hundred dollars a month, you know. It got to uh, nearly three thousand dollar payment link towards the end before I started taking sales calls. So I'm like, so I know what I'm talking about. Like just so you know, and then it ch- they're like, oh, okay. It's like like I was an appointment setter for my own business before you guys were here, so it gives them good context, I think, and it also knows. It also makes sure that the reins are still are still being pulled. Like it's not like they don't just go off and float around. And I think that's the thing. <coughs> the key thing is to keep people in line, and they know. Sure. They know you can do the things. They have the respect and credibility for what you say, right? Yeah, I also believe in having a strongly competitive environment. Doggy dog. Yeah, like I'll go. Hey, like, like um, this is an exaggeration. I'll go. Hey, there's four of you guys in here. One of you guys will leave at the end of the month. It's not an exaggeration. Like I said it the month before last. But it's amazing how performance improves when you do that. Quickly. <laughs> yeah. So it's gun to the head mentality, yeah, right? Quickly. Or they'll ask one of the things when you have daily meetings with your team. So big mindset shift if you guys are having da- daily meetings with your team or trainings with your team. If you get on as the CEO, if you get on a call with your team and you're telling your team what to do, there's a problem. I remind them all the time. I'm like, just so you guys know, I don't need to be on this call. I'm taking 30 minutes out of my day to help you make more money. What are your questions? And they're like, oh, I'm like, I don't need to be here. I could just hire someone else. I could hire someone who can do it better than you. So I don't need to be here. It's you, This is your opportunity to ask me questions that will help you make more money. What are they? And then they're like, oh. So I'm like, so tomorrow I'll come with questions. And unless you're making all the money you want to make, you could be better. And how you're going to get better is by asking me questions and us, you know, trying to solve it ourselves. It's a different perspective. 100%. And I think that's a poignant note to finish on. We have something huge that's coming up for anyone who's in Dubai and wants to travel to Dubai. So, yes. uh, 10th 11th, about it now? Yeah, yeah. So 10th to yeah. 11th of November, we've got fucking, it's going to be the biggest, the best fitness mastermind event coming to Dubai. Chris is going to be speaking on both days. Um, we also have Callum Raystrick speaking from Team Pro Coach. So anyone who's into fitness body will know him. Myself, Corby Waters, um, James Shahota, who's like a big property guy out here sure. as well. 
and then Adolfo, who's one of the biggest content creators in the world, went from like zero to two million followers in like 18 months. So He's going to be teaching strategies in terms of how to go viral and build your profiles. So if you want to get access to that, you want to hear more from Chris in person. Sales and LinkedIn, you said. Yeah, yeah sales and yep. LinkedIn. Um, hit the link below this podcast and you can buy a ticket for that. I think so we've got about cool. seven spaces left. We'll see you there. And for more people to find out more about you, Chris? Um, yeah, well, firstly, click the link and come mm. and you'll get to, to hear us in person. Um, I was trying to chat. I was trying not to... Can I say? Yeah, say so what you want. Um, so there's a, there's a few frameworks on sales that I've never shared with anyone before. Um, and I've asked Charlie if on stage is the best time to do it. And uh, he's given me the green light. And when I say never shared before, I've never shared it before. Um, I don't know if you should record that and let anyone else see it. I think they have to come. Just and keep it for people in the day. I think they have to be there. So if you want to learn how to sell and you know we've made millions of dollars in sales, be there. I'm super excited. And then we're going to discuss LinkedIn as well. Um, and yeah, so you can follow me on Instagram at Spearman Chris. Um, or find out more about, yeah, I've got a podcast as well. So uh, Fitness Coach Freedom podcasts are flowing around. Yeah, we'll drop all the notes for that. So everyone enjoy the podcast. Make sure you smash like button. And a huge thank you if you can leave us five-star reviews, subscribe and share us with a friend. See you in Dubai. And we'll see you in Dubai at the event, 10th, 11th of November at the What Palm. day am I doing this? We'll do both. It's, yeah, it's, this is going to be huge. The yeah. sales day is going to be... We'll do the sales day on day one. Yeah, it's going to be sick. We'll let it rip. So we shall see you all there and until the next one. Thank you.